Good morning, y'all. So good to see you. My name is Mark. I'm the pastor here at UCG, and uh, it's wonderful to be with you this morning as we worship and glorify God together. Um, Just one note, I don't think this was said in the announcements. We had our our second youth fellowship of the year last night. It was really great. Just so, so wonderful to be with many of our young people. And I'm so thankful for some great volunteers who gave their time to come out and to uh, just to love up on them in the Lord together. Um, Let's, let's begin in prayer. Father God, we do thank you for this day that you have made for the beauty and glory of it. We thank you for the beauty and just the treasure that worship is to us as a family of faith, as we can draw near to you as our Lord and as our Savior, as our healer and as our Father and and as our righteousness. And so today I just pray that that the words of my mouth, the meditations of all of our hearts, Lord, would be acceptable to you, that they would bring you joy and that they would bring you glory today, Lord, for indeed you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. 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 All right. Well, well, you know, I, I am really privileged because I get to speak to many of you, you know, on the weekends here together, but throughout each week to, to, to visit with some of you, to speak with you, to, to learn about your life and the joys and struggles therein. And, you know, as I, as I talk to you, as I spend time with you, I, I've picked up on some particular themes that I think are somewhat universal to us in our lives. Uh, we, we, we live in a really interesting time in the world and we live in a pretty challenging time in the world today. And, and it's almost as if there are these concentric circles going on. You know, we've got our own things going on within us, you know, and then uh, maybe, maybe matters related to our families or relationships and our workplace, maybe with the church, with the community, with the nation, with the world around us. It's like these concentric rings uh, of, of things, both good and bad, going on around us. Um, it's just really, really an interesting time to live. But, but there, there is this commonality that, that I pick up on, and, and it's within that and within some of the struggles that we that we all are wrestling with right now, I think there, there is a tendency that we have that, that we sometimes feel like we're, we're just at kind of at the mercy of these circumstances. And some of them are pretty challenging circumstances and we just feel at the mercy of them and we feel like these are kind of on me, they're, they're influencing my heart, my attitude, maybe for some of us, we just feel like they're consuming us from the inside out and we can't control them. You know, I, this, is, this is nothing personal from any one person I'm sharing, but just kind of general. I talk to people and I, you know, I hear things like, I hear things like, you know, I've been applying for jobs. I need a new job, but I see all these good opportunities that, that match my skills and my resume, but I never get the offer. I never get the call back. Or I've talked to, you know, a parent who talked about, with their, you know, with their child, that their child was going through a particularly, you know, a particularly difficult phase of growing up, you know, and it was really hard for this parent at that time. They were really struggling with it. Maybe some of you <laughs> struggle with that too. You know, we love our kids, but sometimes they go through some, some tough, tough phases growing up. You know, another person was dealing with a, with a relative who was very sick, and how to, how to minister to them, how to love them, how to get through this together. Someone else was dealing with a friendship and they were concerned that 
This was a friendship that had been very close over the years, but now it felt like that friendship was growing distant and growing kind of cold, and they were, they were sad about that. Another person, and this is true for so many of us, you know, they were just wrestling with how in life right now, there are just so many uncertainties, so many uncertainties. It's, it's, a, it's, hard to, it's hard to plan for the future, maybe harder than normal to plan for the future in the world we live in right now, and they were wrestling with that. And all, all of that, you know, all of that to say, it's, you know, all, all of these things just bear their own kind of, kind of stress and worry, they can kind of consume us, these circumstances of life that so many of us find ourselves in, yet, yet in the midst of those conversations that, that I'm privileged to have with, with you all, you know, I, I also hear this, you know, I hear that these circumstances are on us and they're difficult, but I also, I also hear from you, like, I don't want to give in. I don't want to give up to, to these kind of forces around me that want to bring me down. I don't want to lose heart in the midst of these circumstances that feel kind of like they're controlling me. And, and, and so, you know, they kind of, on the one hand, we, we feel trapped by our circumstances sometimes, but on the other hand, we're saying, I don't want to lose heart and I don't want to give up. And, and I've heard, you know, I've heard someone say this, it's, it's never what happens to you that has the, the power to bring you down, but it's how you respond to the things that happen to you, you know, good or bad. Uh, how we respond really has the power to sort of lift us up, carry us through, or bring us down. And the, and the word that keeps popping, it, kind of popping into my mind in these conversations and with these thoughts is the word freedom. And I think what, what we're kind of saying, maybe without even saying it, is that you know, I don't want to feel stuck by these circumstances. I want to feel free. I want to feel, I want to be able to live free in spite of everything that may be going on around me, in spite of the storm that may be going on around me. I don't want to feel trapped. I want to live free. How do we live free? Now, I don't think that means that any of us are saying we, we just want difficult circumstances to be magically taken away from us. Well, maybe we're saying that, but I don't, I don't think that's what we're saying. I think we get it that, that life is gonna, life is gonna send challenging times our ways, but how do we, how do we live free in spite of that? How do we live with joy in spite of these things? How do we find God's peace in the midst of the storm. Uh, I, I think that's something we all want to, want to experience. How can I live free? How can I live free? Now we're gonna talk a little bit more about that. We're gonna, we're gonna kinda come back to that today. But with that in mind, let me just say, we, we've been going through a sermon series. We're gonna finish it today on knowing God. And we've, we've looked at knowing God as, as Lord, knowing God as healer, knowing God as Father. And today we're gonna look at knowing God as our righteousness and and what you know do you know him do you know him as righteous are you growing this year in your knowing of God as Lord and healer and father and righteous do we know these things we're going to finish that today I think it's a series that we may come back to though because I, I, I don't know I don't know that we've got it all figured out about God yet there's more there's more more I think we can mine in this in this vein, but um, 
but do we know God as righteous? So, um, so we're going to start there, and we're going to look at God as our righteousness and God as our path to freedom today. And, and you know, so, so often in life, I think what we tend to do is we see things through human eyes. We see the events, we see the circumstances, we see the good, we see the bad, we see it physically through human eyes. That's how we experience things. That's how we see things as human beings. And, and, and um, you know, I think our prayer today might be that we, we begin to be able to see things through spiritual eyes, that we begin to be able to see things as deeper than they may appear on the surface, right? Um, that we would pray that God would give us a heavenly understanding, an eternal vision of what is going on around us, that, that we would be able to discern the times that we're living in spiritually. Now, there was a man in the Bible who I think was, had this God-given gift to discern his times spiritually. His name was Jeremiah, one of the prophets of the Old Testament. And we're going to look just a little bit about Jeremiah. He was able, by God's grace, he was able to kind of see the bigger picture, see the deeper picture of what was going on in his world, in his time. And his circumstances were not we're not wonderful circumstances. He lived in challenging times as well. So today our text is going to be from Jeremiah 23 and verses 5 and 6, if you want to turn there. But, um, but just to give a, a brief bit of context, like I said, th- things were challenging in Jeremiah's day. Jeremiah was a prophet in Judah, and Judah was kind of on a roller coaster with God, if you will. They had some good times some good times walking with the Lord, and they had some pretty bad times walking with the Lord as well. They had good seasons, and they had really tough seasons. They had some good kings who led them in good ways, who led them to walk closely with their God, and they had some real stinkers, some bad kings who who led them to worship false gods and led them to a a place of distance from the true God, and these bad kings, these bad leaders really bore, bore um, bitter fruit in Judah's story. Uh, I think we've probably all experienced that as well. We have good seasons. We have bad seasons in our own lives. We have, we have those times in our lives when we feel like we're really close in our walk with the Lord, and we have those times when we maybe feel a little dry or a little distant from our walk with the Lord. Judah was going through these kinds of things as well. And so in Jeremiah's day, Judah was under a king. His name was Zedekiah. Zedekiah. Now, was Zedekiah a good king or a bad king? If you ever have to just guess on this, guess bad, because most of the kings were bad, right? Zedekiah was a bad king. Um, He was a bad king. He was a bad one. And it's strange because, you know what what Zedekiah's name meant? Zedekiah means, it means the Lord is righteous, That's what his name meant, but Zedekiah didn't live up to his name. He didn't live a righteous life for the Lord. He did the opposite of that. He was a bad ruler and a bad king, and he did what was wrong in the eyes of God. God gave warnings to Judah through prophets, like he always did, and God's warnings would generally be kind of like, if you do this, that's going to happen, or if you do that, this is going to happen, right? Um, You're going to reap what you sow, that was generally kind of the gist of God's warnings to his people. Uh, but after all of these warnings that God gave to his people, he then sent, he sent or he gave these promises. 
And that's what we see in our text today, Jeremiah 23, 5 and 6. God sends these promises through his prophet, and Jeremiah says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. Amen. And so the days are coming, says the Lord. But of course for us, that day has come. That day, that day has come. We live on the other side of that day. And the Lord, we know that the Lord and Jesus, our Savior, is our righteousness. He is our righteousness. Now, that word righteous, it, it kind of speaks to the heart of this question that I asked earlier, how do we live free? I think righteousness speaks to that. How do we live, another way to put it is, how do we live straight in a world that constantly wants to bend us away from God, to sway us away from God? How do we live straight? with the Lord. Um, righteousness means that through Jesus' atoning work on the cross, through his resurrection, that we have been made right with God, that we have been accepted by God, and then we're going to want to live out of that acceptance, to live for God, to live in a right and just and true way for God. The root of that word righteousness is interesting. It, it, it literally means straight, straightness, righteousness, straightness. It's almost I think it's almost like, a, like in carpentry, for example. You need a, a straight edge. You need true and just lines to be able to, to measure and to mark and to cut and to you know, build or create something that's, that's true and right and square. Um, so, so, so basically, God is perfectly righteous, perfectly just, perfectly true, perfectly right. And, and as we follow him, we're to... We're to seek to reflect that in our own lives. That's righteousness. And, and Jeremiah here, he says, the Lord is our righteousness. The Lord is our righteousness. God came in Jesus to be our righteousness. Um, really, that's at the heart of the gospel. That the Lord is our righteousness. That God came in Jesus to be our righteousness. And that's, if that's the heart of the gospel, then I don't know if you've heard this language before, but there's also what we could say is the scandal of the gospel. The scandal of the gospel or the offense of the gospel. And, and, and the scandal of the gospel is this, is that I am a crook. I'm a crook. You're a crook too. You and I are crooks. That's the scandal of the gospel. Um, it, it is not just the world out there that is crooked. It starts in here. It starts in my own heart. There is a lack of justice here. There is a lack of truth here. There, there's a, there is something warped in here, in my heart and in yours. Uh, I've heard it put this way, the problem of the human heart is the heart of the problem, right? All the problems out there, they are, a, they, they are but a magnification 
of what is going on in here. And, and you, you know, you and I, we were made in God's image. We were created for a relationship with God and a life with God, but, but the tendency of our hearts is to be wayward, is to be bent away from God. And, and that is the offense or that is the scandal of the gospel. Paul says in Romans chapter three and verses 10 and in verse 23, he says, there is no one who is righteous on our own. He says, there is no one who is righteous, not one. For all have sinned and all have fallen away from the glory of God. Um, so, so yes, yes, God loves us, but we desperately need a rescuer. We desperately need a helper. And that's the scandal of the gospel. Um, and, and then to add to that, the scandal of grace is this. The scandal of grace is that God came to earth. He condescended himself in Jesus to come to earth. And Jesus lived a life we couldn't live. He died a death we deserved for our sins on the cross. He rose from the grave triumphant over sin, Satan, hell, and death. And he will come again to make all things new and right and wonderful. And grace says that now, because of the gospel, that you who are, are crooked by sin have now, made, have now been made straight, have been made right, have been made just, and you are righteous not because you're so wonderful, but you're righteous because the Lord is your righteousness. The righteousness of Jesus is now yours. That is the scandal and that is the promise and that is the mystery and that is the, the wonder of the gospel, amen? Martin Luther said to a monk who came to him unconvinced about his ability to be forgiven, to be set free unconvinced about his ability to be truly accepted by God, Luther said to this monk, he said, learn to know Jesus and him crucified. Learn to sing to him and to say to him, the Lord is my righteousness. I am your sin. You took on you what was mine. And you sent on me what was yours. You became what you were not, that I might become what I was not. Amen? That's the great exchange, theologically, that's what we call it, the great exchange, the divine exchange. Paul in Romans 3, 21 says, but now the righteousness of God has been made known. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. His righteousness is given by faith to you who believe. And in 2 Corinthians 5.21, Paul says, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's the great exchange our unrighteousness exchanged for, for his perfect righteousness. And that, that, is, that is wonderful. And friends, that means we, we can be set free in Jesus. Now, I don't know if any of you keep a journal. Do you might keep a journal? 
I mean, it's a good, good for y'all. It's a good practice. I always start a journal and then I get like two days into it and and I don't keep up with it very well, right? I got a lot of journals that sort of cover the same stuff over and over. Um, But keeping a journal, right? And in our journal, we write about, we write about the story of our life. A journal is kind of the story of your life. But imagine this, just use your imagination with me. Imagine this, if you were to pick up Pick up your, the journal of your life, the story of your life, and it's got all of the activity of your life written in it, everything that you've done, all your thoughts, your deeds, your motivation, the, the character of your heart, your principles for all of the years that you have lived. Think about that, the story of your life. Now, would you want that projected on the screen up here behind us? For everybody to see, I, I wouldn't. I don't know about you. <laughs> I wouldn't. But, but imagine that. That's um, this, the, the journal of your life, the story of your life. And then imagine that you go in that, that book, that journal, and you turn to the front of it, you know, to the nameplate, the place somebody would write their name. This is Mark Hunt's journal. And there where you would have your name written is the name Jesus Christ. And then imagine this, that we get another journal or diary, like the story of somebody's life, and we open it up, and we're looking in, in, that, in that second journal, and inside of it, we, we find a life that, that was like perfectly lived, like a great life of beautiful qualities, of pure heart, wonderful motivations, True compassion and kindness and justice and generosity lived out in this life. Things that are only uplifting. Things that we wouldn't have any problem projecting up here on the screen behind me. And and you take that journal and you turn to the the nameplate in it and you see the name written. Mark. Or Sam, right? Or Diane. You insert your name there. Your name has been put there. And that is the great exchange of your unrighteousness, of your brokenness for, by grace for Christ's perfect righteousness for you. I, I struggle to believe it. It's such good news. Uh, it means that when God looks at you or looks at me, that he sees Jesus' righteousness, that we're clothed in Jesus' righteousness. His righteousness has been imputed to us. It has been given to us. It has been put on us. The Lord is our righteousness. He takes all of our muck, all of our mess, all of our brokenness, all of our crookedness, and he exchanges it for his perfect righteousness. But, It amazes me how tenacious that old religious spirit is within us, okay? That religious spirit, it's it's really a destructive force that is within every one of us as opposed to the relationship that we are called to have with with God and Jesus Christ. And, and, you know, Jesus didn't come to earth to start a new religion called Christianity. Did you know that? He didn't come to earth to start a new religion. He came to earth to call us into a a relationship with the Father, to call us into a relationship of love with our Heavenly Father. Let, Let me just explain it this way with some comparisons. Religion says, I will find a way to make myself righteous. 
I will find a way to make myself acceptable to God. Or even for some people, they already think, I'm already acceptable to God. That's what religion says. But relationship tells us, I accept Jesus. I accept that he is my Lord and that he is my righteousness. And I acknowledge that I need him. That's relationship. Religion tells us that it's mankind's job to overcome our own sinful nature on our own. But relationship says, no, God is giving you a new nature. He is giving you a new heart. Religion says it's about what, it's about what mankind does to get approval. But relationship says it's about what God has already done so that you are approved. Religion asks this, it asks, have I done enough for God to accept me? But relationship says, or relationship asks, have I been born again into a relationship with God? Religion depends on behavior. It says, you better give your best to God. Relationship says no. It depends on belief. It says God has already given his very best to you so that you can live free. Religion sets traps, but grace sets us free. And the Lord is our righteousness and he is our joy and he is our hope and he is our life. And he enables it all to happen. And the thing, the thing is, I think a lot of us get that, right? A lot of us get this. I'm saved by grace. I'm redeemed by the blood of the lamb. I think we get that. Praise God, we get that. But still, so often, even as we get that, I think we struggle with this old spirit of religion, right? I get that I'm saved by grace, but I also feel like I better make sure, right? I want to control my own destiny, I better do the work, you know, I better get, get to work, make sure I am acceptable to God, right? We know we've been forgiven, we know we've been accepted, but, but somehow we feel like we've got to do something just to make sure, right? Make sure God's pleased with me. And, and it's that old spirit of religion that rises up within us. And I've been there often and I struggle with this. It's a battle for me. I want to feel approved, right? I don't just want to feel approved by God. I mean, I want to feel approved by you. I'm a people pleaser, right? I need, I need that sense of approval. That's that spirit of religion within me. And it is very, very subtle and it is very, very dangerous. It'll consume us. Um, if, if, we're, if we're, you know, it's like we're living for our acceptance instead of living from our acceptance. I mean, everybody wants to feel accepted. I think that's just a basic human need. We all need to feel accepted, but we, we often want to feel like we've got to earn that acceptance, that we've got to please God to earn that acceptance. Someone, someone has pictured it like this. They, they said it's like a cycle. It's like a cycle, and, and that cycle begins with achievement, that we feel like we've got to achieve things, that we've got to succeed in order to be accepted. And and, you know, achievement in the world, it's really the currency of the world is achievement. And, and I'll give you the example is that if you go to almost any, like, if you go to a, a dinner party or you go to a reception and maybe you don't know many people there, I mean, how do, how do the conversations often start? You know, well, what do you do, right? What do you do? Well, I'm a teacher, I'm a pastor, I'm a 
public speaker, or I'm a doctor, I'm a nurse, I'm a businessman, I'm a dentist, I'm a missionary, whatever, whatever it might be, right? We, we, we start there. I don't know. Is that me? Um, anyway, we, we start there. And, and then I even had someone introduce himself to me, and he introduced himself to me as a retired lawyer. And I just think that's really funny. You know, I mean, we do, we do this, and it is sort of normal in one way, but we introduce ourselves, you know, this person introduced himself by what he used to do. That's where we, you know, that, with achievement, that is where we find our value, and that is where we find our worth in what we do or what we used to do, right? That's sort of who I am. That's my identity. And I think it's really strange, right? Because if my sense of worth comes from what I do or what I did, then my identity is always going to be tied up in that. And then I'm going to be driven to do that more and more in order to gain acceptance, to gain value, to feel, to feel accepted in, you know, as, as a human being. And that's how we, that's just how our heart works as human beings. And, you know, and so we'll work to get acceptance, but how long does that sense of acceptance last? Does it last a long time? Oh, it's short, right? So I come up here, I preach before you on Sunday morning, and then I go into Monday, right? And it's like, I got to get ready to preach another sermon. And it's got to be better than last week because I want to feel accepted. I want to feel loved. I want to feel how pleased you, right? And then well, then the week after that, I feel like I've got to preach an even better sermon, right? Because I want you to feel like Pastor Mark did a good job. He's a pretty good pastor. I want to feel accepted. I want to feel like I've achieved this. And I mean, it's a vicious, vicious cycle. And you can insert, you know, that's, my, that's one of my drivers, but you can insert whatever it might be for you. It, it's, it's this cycle. And it's been called the cycle of grief when we start with achievement to earn our acceptance because we get in this loop and it, become, it eventually becomes a destructive loop. You know, not that we're saved by grace, but that we're saved by achieving and we're accepted by achieving. And there's lots of drivers out there, you know, be perfect. Some of y'all are perfectionists, right? Be perfect. For others, it might be you want to please others. You're a people pleaser. For others, it might be hurry up. Come on, y'all. We got to hurry up. We got to look busy. Jesus is coming. We got to get a lot done, right? For others, it might be be strong. Don't let anyone see your weaknesses. Be strong, right? A lot of men struggle with that one. Uh, others might be try harder, right? Well, you got to look like you're trying harder to, to be accepted, to be valued. Yet we never, we will never get there. We will never get there. And that's why there's so many people who struggle with acceptance. They struggle with shame in their life. They struggle with guilt, you know, because we feel like I ought to be better, right? Ah, oh, oh, shoot, that sermon should have been better. Well, I guess I stink as a pastor. Now well, I'm ashamed. Um, so, you know, we, we get into this cycle and it traps us. And, and we, we get trapped in comparison. You know, comparison, it's been said, is the, it's the, the thief of joy. And we get trapped in guilt and trapped in low self-worth and trapped in shame. And, and, and so that's the cycle of grief. Let me give you, let me give you the antidote. <laughs> the antidote is the cycle of grace. Amen, the cycle of grace, God's grace for us. 
Um, remember that question from the beginning? How do I live free? How do I live free in all the circumstances of life? The cycle of grace is how we live free. And the cycle of grace doesn't start with achievement, but it starts with acceptance that, that you are loved by God, that he has given you his righteousness in Christ. He has accepted, he's accepted, He's accepted me just as I am without a plea, right? He's put his seal of affection on me. He's approved me by what he has done in Jesus on the cross. It is finished. He's made me right. He's done it. The Lord says, you are mine. You know what? Not because of your qualifications, not because you're a teacher or a preacher or a doctor or a retired lawyer, not because of how great you are. He's accepted you because he loves you and because you are his. That's the work of the spirit. That's the cycle of grace that we, we begin with from acceptance from acceptance. We're going to want to achieve. We're going to want to do good. We're going to want to be the best we can be because we're already loved and we're already accepted. We're already sustained by grace. And that gives us a clear identity that I'm a child of God. I'm a beloved child of God, right? He may not always like me, but he loves me. I know that, right? Just like your own kids. You know, there's some moments you might not like them, but you're going to love them because they're yours. And they're part of your family. And it's significant, right? Um, and and, and I, I have value, not because of my qualifications, not because, I, not because I have a degree, not because I have a decent job, but because of Jesus' work on the cross, his finished work on the cross, and because I've been created in the image of God. I'm an image bearer of God and I'm part of his family. That's why I'm significant, not because of anything else that I've achieved. And that flows from acceptance, that flows from God's love and that's the cycle, that's the cycle of grace. Friends, the Lord is our righteousness and he has enabled every one of us as we believe on Jesus to live as his sons and his daughters. Don't fall into that trap of the religious spirit. Don't get caught up in that cycle of grief. No. This isn't a new message, but this is the most important message in the world. It's the most true message in the world. How do we live free? We live from God's grace. We live from his acceptance as his children. And it's a life lived day by day by day, step by step, right? Little by little, living from acceptance. Do you know him? Do you know our God as Lord, as healer, as father, and as righteous? He is our righteousness. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for this day that you have made, for the beauty of worship, for the privilege of being part of a family of faith here together. And we pray that we would spur each other on in that spirit of relationship with Jesus, that we would trust and believe who you are and what you have done for us, that you've taken our crooked hearts and you've made them straight 
by the finished work of Jesus on the cross. And we pray that we would live out of your grace and live out of the acceptance that you have already given us, Lord, and that we would love others well and that we would find that freedom that we so desperately need. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the salvation that we have in his name. And in his name, we do pray, amen.